Hey, 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 what is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Not Rocket Science. This is the lo-fi bedroom, no microphone edition of Not Rocket Science, the show that talks about the interdisciplinary relationship between business, culture, and technology. I'm Sean, your host, coming at you live-ish from my childhood bedroom, actually, funny enough. I've been uh, posting up here the past couple weeks now, actually, um, just hanging here doing the quarantine thing with the with the fam. It's going pretty well. I just want to, you know, I'm in Brooklyn, and that's kind of like ground zero right now, uh, where all of New York is for this thing. So we made the decision to kind of get out of the city. So I'm out here, not too much farther away. Um, only I'm up in North Jersey now, but. Uh, it's nice. There's big trees. I'm looking at trees for a change. There's nice lawns. There's birds chirping. Whole different world. But, uh, you know, it's nice to kind of get out of the city and be somewhere a little bit more relaxing. But, uh, yeah, it's been a while and uh, kind of definitely screws up this show a bit because I don't have my mic. I don't have my normal computer to do this. I'm recording this on GarageBand, not Audacity. Um, GarageBand is not so good. I definitely do not recommend it if you are thinking about getting into podcasting anytime soon. It is not user-friendly at all. But the problem is Apple does not allow Audacity um, to have microphone controls, so Audacity no longer works if you're using uh, Catalina on an OSX or Catalina OSX on a Mac. So that is the problem in a nutshell, um, but making do with what I got, it's a little lo-fi, but I'm in a bedroom, so it makes sense, you know, bedroom lo-fi, so it all works, it's all good, all things considered, it's all good, um, a little crazy, world's a little bit crazy right now, everything's kind of flipped upside down, supposedly we're starting to get past the peak here in New York, slash New Jersey, No one really knows if that's true, though, let's be honest. Like, no one really knows what the dealio is with this thing. It could come back, it could not. Um, A lot of decisions are being made with not so much information. So it's a little scary in terms of uh, culture, in terms of people, collectively. This is one of the weirdest times in American history, I'd say. You know, top five for sure right now. Well, Well, you got all those wars. The wars are pretty crazy, but... This is up there. This is on the list for sure. Um, yeah, I remember September 11th, and this is not quite, you know, the impact wasn't quite as crazy out of nowhere, but the sustained effect from all this is uh, not so good. Not so good and much longer. So here's where we are, but I didn't want to do another, like, doom and gloom episode just talking about everything that the media is talking about, because why would that be interesting? So, instead, um, I want to do something a little different. So, 
As you guys know, when it comes to business right now, there isn't that much going on. Although the stock market would have fooled you. But, uh, you know, there's mass layoffs, um, just a lot of bad things going on. More like mass furloughs. But, uh, yeah, a lot of bad stuff going on in the world of business right now. A lot of companies' futures and outlooks and everything are a little up in the air. Big question marks. Um other than certain companies, of course, like the Amazons, like the Netflix, etc. But all in all, it's very scary for companies, especially companies that are, you know, at the startup level and very saturated markets, things like that. Also, luxury and lifestyle product-based companies, I've noticed, are kind of struggling a bit. Unless, other than food delivery, I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, I noticed like away luggage had to let go a ton of people um other brands like that are suffering which makes sense you know people don't have the extra money right now in a waste case nobody's traveling right now but uh that's kind of just a snapshot view of what's going on but i want to kind of take the opposite end of the spectrum into account um so my company that i work for is what's deemed an essential business quote unquote um i've talked about it a lot on this show, um, but it's really interesting what's going on right now with us. Um, so I'm not going to get into any details, obviously. Can't do that. But just to give you a high-level uh, overview of how this crisis affects a company that is essential and a company that is doing so somewhat well, I guess you can say, in the midst of this crisis... But that being said, there's some definite unique challenges, um, even when, as an online grocery, your demand goes through the roof. So it's gone well, because obviously when you, you know, it's scary to go to the grocery store, the demand for online grocery goes through the roof, especially in large cities being heavily impacted by this thing like New York. So, you know, on the surface, that's pretty one-to-one, not that interesting. Supply demand. We have the supply, the demand goes through the roof. But the issue is, and where things get interesting, is how the government's responded with the stimulus package, um, the changes with unemployment, state to state, all that has made business much tougher. um, Because an online grocery like us that sources our own products has a plant, um, we need workers in a plant, right? Same goes for Amazon. Um, Same really goes for even places like Walmart that have big retail stores. You need people in those retail stores um, picking orders. But the issue that now everyone's running into is that because those types of jobs aren't exactly the highest paying, because it's pretty easy to get training for it. It's not, you know, a high, what's deemed as like a high income skill or a high level skill, whatever you want to call it. It's something that a lot of people can jump into as teenagers. Um, therefore, the wages are low. But now it kind of makes more sense in certain instances to go on unemployment with all the uh, enhancements that have been made when it comes to unemployment than it does to go to work. So companies all around the country that 
rely on plant and factory workers are now taking a bit of a dip because you can't get enough people into the building to work. And the same thing um, can be said for the other model of online grocery. I guess you can call it the Uber model that places like Instacart use where you have freelancers that go to different grocery stores and pick the orders at the store. Um, that's a little different, um, but it's the same thing. It just the, the, the workers don't make enough money. So now you have this huge demand for your service, but you can't have enough people to f- fulfill the service. So that's the problem that all of the uh, major online grocer companies are facing right now. But the demand is insane. You know, average order values, not to get into any specifics, but they, they're through the roof compared to normal. Um, on the high end, sometimes even compared to the average order, you have a nice percentage of orders that are 7x what a normal order is. That's how crazy it is. And it's not like one order is like that. There's many. There's a whole demographic at the high end of people putting orders like, you know, almost 7x times the value of a typical average order during a non-pandemic time of year. So that's pretty crazy. Um, And that type of issue filters into every touch point of a business from marketing, all your marketing has to change. Traditionally, with most online grocers, because the uh, competition's so stiff, it's a big battle for acquisition. You know, trying to get more customers into your funnel is usually the name of the game. And once you have customers into that funnel, it's getting them up leveled as a customer type to the highest level, meaning they're ordering and relying on you the same way most people rely in their on their local, you know, in-town grocery store that they go to multiple times a week if they have families. So that's the normal challenge. Now the challenge is how do we crank out more orders? How do we message customers when we change things that might impact them? Um, how many customers are getting impacted? Customer service, like customer service is getting so overburdened right now because we change things as a company to help out our customers, but sometimes that'll change on the customer side, on the front end, what they're experiencing, and then they get confused, and then we don't message in time, and it just creates this big uh, cyclical effect of being out of the loop and not quite understanding the status of their order or their reserve time, things like that. So right now there's initiatives where corporate employees even um, who don't work in customer service are doing customer service shifts. They're like mini shifts, but you know, answering emails, answering chats, because that's kind of like what the main priority is if you can work from home right now um, over your normal jobs. So like everything kind of just gets flipped upside down. I know even outside of um, the, the grocery business, it's kind of like this um, at hospitals. Like my mom knows somebody. For example, I was talking to her the other day, and she knows someone who's a lawyer for one of the major hospitals in New York, but she's not doing any litigation type of work. She is 
because they're all hands on deck in the hospitals right now in New York, obviously. So she has to actually go and be basically like a medical intern. Um, I don't know exactly what she's doing, but, you know, handing out masks, things like that, moving equipment from here to there. Like she's a lawyer and she's doing that right now. So that's how crazy this thing is in New York. We're not quite on that level in the grocery business, but pretty close. Um, Pretty close. So things are getting a little crazy here, um, but I just wanted to share with you guys a way that a business that is an essential business that isn't doing the, you know, typical like layoffs, the typical moves to, you know, ensure that their business stays afloat. Um, when you don't have to worry about that, but all the other kinds of problems you have to worry about. So I just want to give you a little bit of insight on that in this kind of abbreviated episode, this lo-fi bedroom episode. I feel like I should be playing Bright Eyes or something, um, or Postal Service. It's a throwback for you. But yeah, the bottom line is every business is affected by this thing one way or another, and uh, nobody is coming out of this unscathed, so... It's pretty interesting, but I I am still hearing about recruiters hitting people up about new positions, so certain companies are hiring still. I don't know. I think it'd be weird in a pandemic, though, to switch jobs. Um, I've talked to some people, and supposedly the biggest issue is onboarding new employees remotely. Um, I think there's remote-driven companies like Ajira that might be really good at that because remote cultures kind of embedded in their company DNA, but doing that on the fly when you're a company that's not used to having a large remote culture is weird. It seems, and it seems like from what I'm hearing, it's a, it's a learning process, um, of sorts. So that is that, but I mean, all in all, it's pretty good. At least you have jobs. Like at this point, the standard is to have your job or have a job because, uh, yeah, the unemployment struggle is real out there right now, really real. So uh, beware of that. And one thing I heard that's crazy the other day is how the reason why it's taking so long for these stimulus checks to get out into the hands of United States citizens is um, actually a technology issue. So as you know, when it comes to groundbreaking technology, um, you know, most contemporary best practices, government's usually not at the top of the list of adopters. And there are all these publications coming out about how the reason why there's such a logjam is because there's a lack of programmers uh, working on these softwares that basically run the government create the stimulus check checks and you know have hold the databases in terms of where to mail them and everything um, because it's all written in COBOL. COBOL is a dead programming language that originated I believe in the 1960s I think it's the 1960s it could be the 70s point being it's extremely old yeah, it was designed, okay, it was designed in 1959, all right? So 60, it's a 60-year-old 60 computer language 
that is one of the main backbones of all government software. So think about the money that we spend on military, defense, everything. And uh, can't spring up a mill or two to uh, update all of our government computer software? Hmm? And it's not just federal, it's state too. All the state's software is run on COBOL, which is super old. I mean, it's almost as old as Flowmatic. And Flowmatic was the language created by Grace Hopper, I think, in like the 40s or 50s. And like Grace Hopper is considered like a legend now. She's like the female Dumbledore of computing languages because she was like the first ever female programmer that programmed something groundbreaking. Um, and yeah, COBOL's not too, not too long after that. It's kind of like, uh, you know, JavaScript versus React or something. Um, so it's crazy. So there's a shortage of COBOL programmers, which there is a need for, and there's a call for all COBOL programmers to get in touch with your government. I've seen multiple articles on the state government level, and then one on Verge about the federal government. And there is a, like there's a need for doctors, there is a need for COBOL programmers to help move these uh, benefit packages forward. So that's kind of like the fun fact of the day. There's this outdated computer language because government put it aside. You know, the 70s came along. They put it aside. The 80s came along. What do we use computers for? We just make Word documents with it and play Snake. Put it aside. The 90s come. The internet takes off. Eh, we'll do it later. Put it aside. 2000s come along. Eh, it's too much work. Put it aside. 2010s come along. Put it aside. Now we're getting hit. This is what happens when you accumulate tech debt for four decades. You have a need to solve a problem, and there's no more skilled workers because it's so outdated. This is like... This is like needing more typewriter manufacturers. You know what I mean? That's how ridiculous this is. But why am I not surprised? Go look up COBOL on Wikipedia just to give you an idea of how old this thing is. There's a picture of the manual from 1960, and it looks beyond ancient. It looks like the intro credits to those like middle school like sex ed classes from the 50s that are in like every movie that takes place in the 50s about teenagers that's what the flyer looks like for a COBOL oh my god is it old anyway that was not point the point of this podcast but I just wanted to share that fun fact with you guys right now when you talk about you know business and technology this is this is a big one when technology gets left on the wayside how things can get a bit messy but uh anyway that's it we'll cut it short today because you gotta deal with this lo-fi microphone my laptop mic not ideal but uh we push through so i just want to give you some insight on that and some insight on what is going on with essential businesses that have worker shortages but high demands right now um if you have any questions, of course, as usual, email us at notrocketscienceshow at gmail.com or hit us up on the socials at nrs underscore show on Twitter or Instagram. And if you want, leave a review on the review store if you so desire. All right. Sean, I'm out. Till next time. Peace. <laughs>